alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. the 83rd annual subliminal deception podcast your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit my name is cody and i'm joined by my pal phil how are you doing good buddy how about yourself not doing too bad uh you've probably seen the pictures of that delightful snow and it's still ever since then it has just been rainy and shitty and it was snowing today i i don't know we might be in for a long winter yeah, I saw pictures of all of the snow that you guys got, and it was like, everyone was commenting, like, oh, how pretty, how blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking in my head, like, that's going to turn into a slushy fucking mess in about five hours. Yeah, and then and then could fucking ice over. You know how fun that is? Just ugh. Definitely. I, I hate it. I hate it so goddamn much. But uh, how's the weather in your neck of the woods? Oh, you know, it's uh, it's warm out. Pretty decently cold in the mornings till about 11. Then it starts getting hot. So Sounds great. I mean, I'm jealous of it, obviously. Yeah, it's, um, what was I? I was outside at work yesterday. I decided to wear pants for the first, I have these kind of nice dickies like work pants that I bought so that I'm not tearing through my jeans. And it was a little too hot for pants yesterday. So I might wait another <laughs> month. It got up to about 97. So the basement that I'm recording in right now, it's probably colder than Arizona will get all year. Like, it's kind of <laughs> fucking cold down here. Uh, oh, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Phil, uh, you have some stuff in the news you want to talk about. Oh, yeah. So uh, this is Friday, the 23rd, and the new Borat movie came out. I made sure to watch it this morning before we recorded. It was uh, it was all right. It was not as funny as the first one, but I don't think anything he, they could make could be as funny as that one. There was actually a scene that's been getting a lot of play in the news is the Rudy Giuliani scene. And it's kind of weird because depending on what news outlet you were looking at, like on the internet, they were telling you different stories about it. Uh, It was, I mean, it looked uh, way more innocent than I thought it was going to be, but it definitely looked like he was in that hotel room for more than just exchanging contact information and taking off his microphone. So... Yeah, here's the thing. I know there's that whole laptop business with him that something he won't show people and all this and that, but we were talking about him, and so when he was mayor, I thought people liked him, even though now I'm hearing he actually is a really shitty mayor, but then it's like they gave him his own talk show or something on Fox News, and he just like instantly went nuts. Yeah, so... He got he so I was watching this thing about the mob on Netflix and he he garnered a lot of fame because he's the first one to use like the big Rico act to go after all of the major families in the city. So that's where he got a lot of his fame from in New York was when he went after the mob. Mm. And then he he kind of like parlayed that into the mayorship. Obviously 9/11 happened, he became America's mayor and no one really knew like I don't think I don't think he was as crazy before as he is now but he did kind of like work towards it and i think fame and 
kind of his own, I don't know what to call it, in not infamous nefariousness, but his own kind of image, like building his own image, kind of created this monster where he feels the need to like be out there all the time. So Yeah, I mean look at Ted Nugent. Look what happened to him. You ever read the shit he posts? Oh yeah, I have. It's yeah, pretty fucking crazy. He is uh he is a fucking crazy man. I guess Jesse Ventura kind of did that to himself as well. Yeah, well it's kinda we were talking last week about the people who made up the QAnon stuff and how they started to feel like they had this power where they were just normal people who were just fucking around on the internet and then all of a sudden something just caught and they fucking took off. It's it's like riding a wild bronco. You're just holding on for dear life trying to maintain. Hey, did I send you the the link about the antichrist that someone sent me? Uh possibly. You did you share it on your story? No, 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 no. So someone sent me this article, right, where I don't know who the hell this guy was, but he compiled all the signs of the Antichrist coming, right? Yeah. And then compared them to what Trump does. And some of the comparisons are uh, a little insane, although when you really read it, it's like kind of like the Nostradamus stuff where you get the phrase and you can kind of twist and turn it to fit whatever narrative you want, but... Some of it is kind of crazy. Yeah, basically with a lot of that stuff is if you're searching for something hard enough, eventually you'll find it. Well, the thing the thing was, is like when you read a lot of it, in my mind, it was like, yes, Trump's doing this stuff. But also you could like put that up to a lot of the crazy leaders throughout history, like Roman Empire emperors, you know, Jesus, you could like put 10 of those fuckers right uh, uh, for the crazy shit they did. Yeah, definitely. There was, they were talking about like one of Nostradamus's thing for who the Antichrist was. They were comparing it to Napoleon and being like, oh, wow, it's the same thing. This guy could be Napoleon. And then they're like, but it could also be Eisenhower, you know, like the same, like rise to power, all of this stuff that Napoleon did kind of like you could put that on Eisenhower, be like, yeah, it could also be him. But why would it be Eisenhower? You know, this kind of, who knows? I mean, when I, when I messaged the person who sent me it, I was like, you know what's ironic? Let's let's say hypothetically this was true. Let's say, you know, whatever. Let's say hypothetically Trump was the Antichrist, right? Mm-hmm. If <laughs> Wouldn't it be so funny if he... Because I would say predominantly Christian people are his followers, right? Yeah. And I, is that the mythos that the Christians all fall, fall for the Antichrist? I guess kind of. And then everybody who opposes him are mostly people who I would assume there's a lot of atheists or like different religions and stuff. So it's kind of funny if you think about it that way. Yeah, that's always the weird thing about that story is so the Antichrist comes along and then all of these people who are faithful believe that he is the reincarnation of Jesus. And then all of the people who oppose this supposed reincarnation of Jesus, who actually is doing bad things, end up following the reincarnation of Jesus, like the real one in all these stories, like the fictional stories. Right. So even though this person is fighting the supposed Jesus, they're actually, uh, it's kind of, it's, it's an old <laughs> kind of like story trope, but. Well, we'll know one red flag that was in there is if, if Trump decided to attack Mexico, apparently that's a, a telltale sign of the, uh, the antichrist attacking your friends from the South or something like that. Oh, okay. I well, guess. I, I don't know. 
Yeah, that's a little weird. I guess Lincoln <laughs> could also be a antichrist too then. <laughs> Everybody's an antichrist. We'll do the Oprah thing. You're an antichrist. Yeah. You're an antichrist. I don't think there is an antichrist. But anyway, should we yeah. should we get into a man who I don't think is the antichrist either, but have you ever heard of a gentleman named Albert Ostman? Uh no, I have not. Maybe it's Ostman. I don't know. But anyway, so I was telling you didn't mean to, but uh, I had started this previously. You did kind of cryptidy stuff yesterday, and this is kind of a cryptid story, but it's more about the gentleman and whether or not he's telling the truth or not. So it's quite a fascinating tale. I think a lot of people might have heard, like, this is a perfect tale that you hear through a grapevine, and once we get into the story, it might turn on a light bulb in your head as well. But we'll dive in here. All right. What makes the story of Albert Osman so fascinating is the fact that his unique encounter with Bigfoot happened many, many years before the famous Patterson-Gimlin film that happened in 1967. Do you know, you're familiar with that, I'm assuming? I believe so. Is that the famous one where Bigfoot is walking and then and he, he turns, turns around and looks and then just keeps walking past? You know what I always thought was the most interesting about that particular video is that if you look really close, like the Bigfoot, if that is a real Bigfoot, it has breasts. You ever seen him like dissect that? Yes, I have. I've seen them dissect the whole video. I've seen them talk about how how he turned around and gorillas, I guess, also can't move their head more than a few degrees away from like straight forward. And that's why gorillas like will turn their whole bodies to look behind them unlike a human who just would turn their head more. Oh. I've, I've heard that that's one of the things where they think what, how it could be real. I have also heard like the, the body suit that they would have used at the time would not have looked as convincing as that one did. Yeah, the strides, right? The leg strides, I think, is the one thing they're always saying, like a human's body doesn't kind of stride like that when they walk. Especially with the arm movement. Right, yes. right. Yeah, so... Like you said, most humans can't turn their heads that way. I don't think Brock Lesnar can turn his head that way. Or no, most humans can turn their head. Brock Lesnar cannot turn his head like a normal human. Him and Kurt Angle. They can't do it. It's just impossible. Now, obviously, we have the uh, Patterson-Gimlin film, right? But legends of Bigfoot wandering through the forests of North America have existed in Native American culture fucking forever. I can't remember what exactly they refer to it as, but they have legends of like this big, hairy, man-like creature going back centuries. So that I always thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, I've heard it's not just called Sasquatch. I've heard that there are many different... Uh, Native American like tribes that have different stories of animals and Sasquatch is just the one that kind of the the dominant story. Yeah, they call well, that's what I mean. They call different things, but it has a lot of the same characteristic. Yes. So the journey of Albert Osman began in 1924. Albert was a young, young Scandinavian man who had traveled to British Columbia in search of a gold mine. Rumors of a lost gold mine near the Toba Inlet is what he was truly after. Now, keep in mind, according to story, according to his story, this is his vacation, by the oh, way. Oh, nice. His vacation <laughs> is to find some mysterious rumored gold mine, which I guess, I, I don't know if you could call that a vacation. Now, you're a, you're a young-ish 
Scandinavian man of descent, you know? Yeah. Would you think that going to British, British Columbia in search of a gold mine would be your ideal vacation? Not exactly. I mean, I'd go to British Columbia. I don't know if I'd go looking for gold. Yeah, British Columbia sounds like it'd be a pretty cool trip, but I don't know. There are some people, I think, who do do the old uh, gold mining where they go pan for gold and they go through the old, like tour the old gold mines, but I'm not sure about that. Yeah, well, we'll see if he finds it. All right. Albert would boat a Union steamship boat uh, headed to Lund and would hire an old Indian guide to lead him the rest of the way to the Toba Inlet. Now, I'm going to read a direct quote from Albert here. This old Indian was a very talkative old gentleman. He told me stories about gold brought out by a white man from this lost mine. This white man was a very heavy drinker and would spend his money freely in saloons, but he had no trouble getting more money. He would be away a few days and then come back with a bag of gold. But one time, he went to his mine and never came back. Some people say a Sasquatch had killed him. At that time, I had never heard of Sasquatch, so I asked what kind of animal he called a Sasquatch. The Indians said, they have hair all over their bodies, but they are not animals. They are people, big people, living in the mountains. My uncle saw the tracks of one that were two foot long. One old Indian saw saw one over eight foot tall. I told the Indian I didn't believe in their old fables about mountain giants, it might have been some thousands of years ago, but not nowadays. The Indians said there may not be many, but they still exist. So that's a little ominous. His guide yes. here is saying, you got to be careful if you're fucking around there. I don't know if the Bigfoot like gold. Are they protecting the mine or are they just in the area, you think? It's kind of like a dragon, how dragons find these areas like the big hoard of gold or they steal all this gold and they just kind of hoard it. I like how he's a, a heavy drinker who freely spends money in saloons. Kind of, kind of feels like me a little bit. <laughs> so you think maybe you're the reincarnation of that guy. I don't know about that. I'm probably the, re <laughs> I, I've said it before. I'm probably the reincarnation of some dirt poor farmer, just a long <laughs> line of dirt poor farmers. All right. Now let's start the main meat here. The adventure of Albert. Once Albert finally reached the area, he claimed he was pretty happy to just have some time alone out in the wilderness. He had spent several days scouring the forest searching for the elusive mine. Now, Albert at least had some forethought about picking up groceries prior to embarking on his journey. He brought bacon, a bag of beans, four pounds of prunes, six packets of macaroni and cheese, <laughs> Three pounds of pancake flour, six packets of Rye King hardtack, a quart of butter, two one-pound cans of milk, uh, salt, and sugar. He also had a sleeping bag, a Winchester rifle, a small frying pan, an aluminum pot, and three rolls of snuff. Now all, <laughs> now, all of his supplies will become very important, and it might actually end up bringing him some unwanted attention. So... Do you think you could survive with these ingredients here, Phil? I don't know. I mean, it is nice that he brought some Kraft mac and cheese with him. Uh, <laughs> he kind of, I mean, it looks like he wanted to make maybe pancakes or something like that. It's a little weird. He he brought, uh, I guess at the time, I don't know why he brought the four pounds of prunes. That's, That's what I'm weird. saying. You'd be shitting every two minutes if you ate all that. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it might keep the Sasquatch away just from the fucking shits you would have. I, I, I don't know. Maybe the pancake flour, maybe you can, like, use it to make, I don't know, like, uh, biscuits or something. I don't know. Like, some sort of bread out of them. Well, I imagine you use flour to pretty much make all of that same shit, you know. Nowadays, you can make, like, waffles, pancakes, muffins, flour. Like, use them, use them flour for a lot of stuff. I don't know what he would use the flour for out in the wilderness. Maybe just making like little, like those crappy old timey biscuits, water and where they put like water, flour and salt together. Yeah. The old uh, like campfire biscuits. Yeah. Campfire biscuits. There you go. And then obviously a rifle, a frying pan, an aluminum pot and then tobacco, too, because he's partying. So (laughs) of snuff, man. Ugh, Disgusting. Now, it seems like Albert was intending to spend the next three days slowly moving deeper into the forest until he would decide or find his permanent camp location. But it kind of seems even from the first night, Albert was being disturbed by something from the woods. He would be awoken to find his campsite rummaged through, but nothing was actually taken. For the next two nights, the exact same thing happened. His stuff was rummaged through, but nothing was taken. According to Albert, on the fourth night, he was going to stay awake and try to catch a glimpse at whatever was fucking around in his camp that night. Albert tried to stay up as late as he could, but he fell asleep before he could spot anything. But he was about to be in for one terrible surprise when he finally wakes up. So what is your wild guess about what Albert... from from the story, I'm guessing it's a, a hairy wild man. It could also be <laughs> Jod Madden, perhaps. You are in the Jod Madden era. What if he, area. What if he woke up and John Madden has like a, a chalkboard and he's just scribbling X's and O's on there and he's yelling at him. This is the play we got to do, folks. He's <laughs> just scribbling shit out. Yeah. You know, if it was John Madden, he would take all his snuff and put it in his lip all in one bite and just. You know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't even take little pouches. He'd just do it all at once. He'd pour the pancake mix, the flour, <laughs> the salt, everything in his mouth, and then just spit out biscuit batter. <laughs> that you, gigantic fucking mouth of his. Where he'd just sit and snort lines of pancake flour. <laughs> Get himself all amped up. Yeah. When Albert finally woke up, he realized while still in his sleeping bag, something was carrying him, but he was wrapped up so tightly He could not tell what it was. Elbert said, My first thought was, it must be a snow sled. Then it felt like I was tossed on horseback, but I could feel whatever it was, was walking. I was in a very uncomfortable position, unable to move. I was sitting on my feet, and one of my boots in the bottom of the bag was crossways with the hobnail sole up across my foot. It hurt me terribly, but I could not move. It was very hot inside. It was lucky for me this fellow's hand was not big enough to close up the whole bag when he picked me up. There is a small opening at the top. Otherwise, I would have choked to death. So, after being carried in a sleeping bag for several hours, eventually he felt the creature drop him to the ground, and it seems out of fear, Elbert just continued to sit inside of the sleeping bag, but Elbert claimed he could hear chatter between something but couldn't quite make out what was being said so essentially i have you seen i wish i could remember which friday the 13th it is but jason picks up the camper in the sleeping bag and then he kills him but uh that'd be terrifying wouldn't it 
Yeah, he definitely just picked him up almost like it was food in a bag for the Sasquatch. Just picked him up and carried him away. Um, it's it would be super fucking frightening. I I was trying I was listening to how you were like saying how he was being carried and he was inside that bag kind of crumpled up. Yeah. Uh, really? Yeah. It's he's like a fucking like you see him out here. The homeless people all like tightened up in their sleeping bags like homeless burritos. Well, I I'm, I'm envisioning it in this time period. Sleeping bags were probably a lot bigger than they are now. That would be my guess. So it could actually fit like a grown sized man in it. Yeah, I'm guessing it's not the kind that you think of at Walmart with zippers and yeah. or buttons and shit like that. I'm guessing it's just a sack that you slept in with a blanket or something. Can you imagine? I remember, God, a long time ago, I had a Power Rangers like zip up fucking shitty ass one. Can you imagine if he's being carried in that his little Power <laughs> Rangers sleeping bag? I had one for the Ultimate Warrior. Hell yeah! I it's got it from sweet. my uncle for Christmas. It's, it's fucking, awesome. That's fucking sweet. Now, there's one part of this story I couldn't quite figure out what he was talking about. This hobnail uh, sole up. I think that's his boot. Like, his boot has something in it that, like, cut his foot. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah. When I first heard it, I imagine he's wearing kind of like those old style, like, maybe cowboy boots. Something that we call cowboy boots now. But, like, maybe a riding boot. So... It might have had something that connects into the stirrups of a saddle. Mm, That's right. kind of what I was thinking when I heard it. All I know is like basically from this point, his whatever foot it was is like injured. So it like hurts for him to walk or whatever. So I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it was like a, a cowboy boot. And because of how the bag was crumpled, his foot got bent and hurt it or something. Yeah, who doesn't take their boots off when they go to sleep? That's a little weird. <laughs> ah, maybe we're catching him in a lie here. No, 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 oh, this is way. right. You got to remember, he was trying to stay awake to catch a glimpse of this, and then he oh. he basically just did what you did this morning, or last night, I guess, so. Passed out while awake. Yeah, so I guess maybe that's why he would have his boots on. Possibly. There we go. That's Okay, that makes more sense, because I was thinking, <laughs> like, why would you go to sleep with your boots on? But he was actually at the ready position and then passed out while in his caught up in his sleeping bag. Okay, that makes more sense. You know what the other thing I just thought of is he might not have wanted to mention how much alcohol he might have brought with him in case people didn't believe him. So what if yeah. he was shit faced and just fell asleep with his boots on? You, that happens, obviously. Oh yeah, that happens to this day. Yeah, people so... pass out with their shoes on. <laughs> When Albert finally emerged from his sleeping bag, he discovered he was in an area that was surrounded by cliffs, and he was very surprised by who had abducted him. It was a family of Bigfoot. I don't know if it's big, like a big feet, or it's just a family of Bigfoot. I I don't really know how you say it. Bigfoots, just Bigfoots, just plurals like that. <laughs> now I want to describe the area that we're talking about here. So. If you can envision, you go to a cliff, how he says it is, you go to Cliff's Edge, and essentially, not like a cave, but every side is sheer cliff, and then there's only one entrance to, like, get out of there. So, it's really hard to for him to escape unless he was, to like, plummet off the cliff. Okay, kind of like a, I think they might be called, like, culverns or something like that, when it's an area, like, inside of, like, surrounded by cliffs. Yeah, 
he, possibly. He said he's like how he describes it is it would be the perfect home slash hiding place for like creatures like this, I guess, essentially. Or like the old style, those old movies where the like the robbers or the gang hides out in a place like this where no one's going to find them. Yeah, or like where Heath Ledger and um, Jake Gyllenhaal made love in Brokeback yeah. Mountain, a place like that. <laughs> <laughs> now, according to Albert, there were four big feet. He, this is how he describes them. An old man, an old lady, and two others who he believed were the children, which there was a young male and a young female. So you got the nuclear family going on here, basically. Definitely. The old man was over eight foot tall and estimated to be about 800 pounds. The old lady was about seven foot tall and he estimated about 600 pounds. And the two children were apparently significantly smaller. The interesting thing was that the Bigfoot seemed to have brought along his camping supplies during the abduction. So they not only took him, they took all of his shit as well, which is kind of interesting. Albert would find most of his stuff just laying there, but his prunes and his macaroni and cheese were missing. Also, he said his box of shells for his rifle were missing. So does this lead us to believe, number one, that Big Feet love prunes and macaroni and cheese? Also, that they're aware what a gun is. Well, if we know anything about, we don't know anything about really Bigfoots, but we do know like a lot about humans. I'm guessing that the old woman took the prunes and the teenage son took the mac and cheese. Because <laughs> a lot, I think there's a lot of uh, teenagers out there throughout time that have lived off of mac and cheese. So the real question is, did the Bigfoot put ketchup in it? I don't know what that kind it? of crazy person puts ketchup in mac and cheese. You gotta try it. You gotta try no. it. I recommend Chili it. Chili powder. But I'm saying, do you think the animal had enough intelligence to take away his shells? I. Don't know. Maybe he didn't know what they were, and he just left them behind. It could be. I, I don't know. It was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, Albert said on the first day, the, children's were the, the children were kind of the ones who had to keep an eye on him, although he was able to uh, get up and look through his gear. He was able to cook his own dinner, make coffee, and kind of wander around the camp without the creatures getting upset. Interestingly, when Albert threw his empty tin of snuff, the young male Bigfoot picked it up and took it over to the old man. And according to Albert, the two of them had a long conversation about the empty tin tin of snuff. So I don't know. They apparently really like chewing tobacco. Or possibly straight edge. And they were discussing <laughs> how best to reprimand him. For not living the straight edge they were, lifestyle. They were going to tell him about how, how uh, this stuff gives you cancer, maybe? We're hardcore without substances, so <laughs> it's cool. Cool if you're not, but you know whatever. Okay, I gotta ask have you have you heard any of this story so far? Well, I've heard you tell it, but I've never heard you... anyone else tell the story. So really, no, I've never heard of it before. Really? Okay. So the reason is, um, I thought you might have heard it. it's kind of a kind of a famous story, but uh, I figured the the chewing tobacco might give it off for you, but apparently not. Either way. Now, the following day, Albert claimed that he knew he was uh, starting to run low on food, so he was going to have to try to make an escape. But he only had one shell in his rifle, and he thought he saw an opening to make a getaway. So Albert stood up to leave, but the old man immediately stood up as well. 
Albert was pleading with him, pointing out the opening, but the old man just kept pushing him back, further and further, into his spot. Albert claims he kept hearing the old man saying something like, Suka Suka. I... Do you... Okay, do you think Big Feet, Big Foot could have their own language? Possibly. I mean, I'm trying to think of when, like, those early humanoids, I don't think any of them really had developed like language skills, but there are a lot of animals out there that do have their own languages. They don't really use their vocal cords. Uh, well, like dolphins and shit, they use like their vocal cords to do language, but no like land animals really, except for humans. I wonder if Elbert could have heard Suka Suka and maybe it was more like a grunt. You know what I'm saying? Cause it, it can kind of come off like a grunt, right? Yeah, definitely. He, I didn't really include it. That's kind of the only like dialogue that he mentions, but, he kind of describes the chatter between the big feet. So, but Suka Suka is kind of the main one. I'm assuming that's like a back, back or sit down or some shit like that. I don't know. Yeah. Or just get the fuck away. Like go over there. Yeah. I could see that. Now, Elbert considered shooting the old man at this point, but he wasn't sure if his one shell would be enough to actually take him down. So he started to concoct another plan of escape. So for the next few days, Elbert would try to think of something. He thought perhaps if he befriended the little ones, they thought maybe they would allow him to escape. But again, that could take a little while. Then he thought back to a story about someone who had saved themselves from a bull by jamming snuff into the creature's eyes. But he would need to get close enough to the Bigfoot to actually do that. And as you can see, if this fucker is eight foot tall, 800 pounds, that's going to be a challenge. Yeah, oh, Definitely. The fucker could just rip you apart. He could grab both your arms and just tear you to pieces if he's eight foot tall and 800 pounds. (laughs) Yeah, he... Dude, he could just fucking... I can't imagine how strong that thing is. I'm trying to think, like, his best strategy for using the gun. In my mind, it might be... This sounds terrible, but for strategy-wise, you only have one bullet left. But they don't know you only have one bullet left. To them, it might be just like a magic stick. Kind of like... uh, What's that old movie, the Bruce Campbell movie? Uh, um, Evil Dead. Evil Dead, where he said, this is my boomstick. Yeah, this is my boomstick. So he could probably more likely take down one of the little ones and then like aim the gun at the other little one or maybe the the woman, the old woman Bigfoot, and then possibly the the bigger, the the old man Bigfoot might be like, whoa, just get the fuck out of here, dude. Don't, you know, don't kill the rest of them too or don't kill me. So, well, okay, if we th- let, let's say like um let's ju- let's say Bigfoot's a primate, right? Let's say I imagine if you were like gorillas or pack animals, if you were to harm one, usually they'll fuck you up. So who knows if he shoots one, the rest of them won't tear him limb to, from limb from limb. That is true. Yeah, it's I mean, you got to think though, this is somewhat intelligent of an animal. You know, it's it's not human, but it's not fully animal. So it might like contemplate if it sees you just destroy one with one shot, make a loud noise. It might just be like, oh, shit, you know, like just get the fuck out of here. But what if it was like a bear, right? Like I know people bear hunt, but I think if you don't hit them like in the heart, like they're not going to go down. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. Yeah. But if you shoot a gun like, so say 
say like you, you scare have them. a gun, you might scare them away. Yeah. yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay, that's a that's a Neil deGrasse Tyson fifty fifty right there, Phil. Yeah, you're just hoping at this point <laughs> what you do doesn't get you killed. Here's possibly what... they haven't killed you yet, so possibly doing nothing might be the best course of action. Here's what we should maybe ask: What would Chef Ramsay do? Uh, make a nice fucking saute sauce, getting ready to. <laughs> For Barack Obama to come save them, and then they cook one of them up. You know what's interesting about the intelligence thing as well is that Elbert mentions watching them, mostly the old lady, kind of like crafting tools and kind of watching them collect water. It was kind of interesting. Like he almost made it sound like they had a a device set up where the water would run down and they had like a. I guess an apparatus to kind of catch it and then they would okay. drink it. So uh, do you know if wild primates kind of do stuff like that? Um, let's see. I know that you can teach, obviously in captivity, you can teach primates to use like tools. I have heard that chimpanzees are actually seen in the wild using spears to fish. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, I'm not exactly sure. It's not advanced tools. It's not multi. It's not like a machine, like multi, like this. If, in this case, that would be a machine where you use like an apparatus to catch the water, to funnel the water, and then to collect the water. That's like a multi, you know, that's usually multi-tiered tool. I I think it's more of a, like out in the wild, it would be more of like a, like, okay, so say if you had a stick and you wanted to get some bugs out of a log, you might use the stick to collect some of the bugs onto the stick and then eat them. Or you might use uh, like a rock to bash open a nut or something. That's a pretty, that's like the most simple tool you can use. It's not multi-tiered. This sounds like it's a little bit more multi-tiered if it's like three parts, you know, collect, funnel, and then deposit. So I don't know. His story is pretty, pretty fascinating. One quick thing here. You mentioned Barack Obama, right? Kind of the show's meme. So before you got on, I was watching his drive through rally he must have just done <laughs> where he's basically, you know, roasting Trump the whole time. Yeah. But he was like, you know, if I had an off-seas Chinese bank account, they'd be calling me. This is his exact quote. He said they'd be calling me uh, bank account Barry. Yeah. He said, Barry, is he admitting his real name is Barry Satiro? Did he just do that? Well, it's just like in our episode where we were talking about how he went by the name Barry for for years and years. I suppose it's kind of easier in America to say that than Brock. But Brock's not even that hard to say either. No, it's not. Well, I mean, at first, when so when he first got popular starting like 2004, when he first kind of hit the national stage, people were having a hard time saying his name. But now it's kind of like Pete Buttigieg. No one knew how to say his fucking last name. When he first was like big on the scene, but now it's pretty easy. Just to, you hear it, you hear more and more like over the news, people not saying Mayor Pete, they'll say Pete Buttigieg. Obviously, he's sunk back because he's not being, you know, not in the race anymore. But uh, you know, was that man's last name? He sounds like a potion on Harry Potter. Buttigieg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like something that turns you into a fucking ferret or something. Could be. <laughs> anyway, back to the story here. Now, according to Albert, while he was stuffing snuff in his lip, he noticed that it appeared like the old man got very interested in the snuff. This is when Albert got his brilliant idea. 
One morning, Albert was making coffee when the old man and the young boy came, came over and sat down about 10 foot from him. Albert then pulled out his snuff, took another dip, but this time, the old man reached his hand out, acting like he wanted some. Albert then handed it to him, and after the old man took it, he opened the can of snuff and dumped the entire can in his mouth. He even took his tongue out and licked the inside of the can clean. We yep. have you you've done chewing tobacco before, I'm assuming, right? Uh yeah, pouches. Yeah, you ever accidentally swallowed a little? Yeah, so during my first run through college, I used to do intramural bowling. At that time, they had actually just gotten rid of smoking in bars, restaurants, bowling alleys. And I wasn't able to smoke inside of the bowling alley anymore. And it was winter outside, so I did not want to go, you know, go outside for a smoke. So I bought pouches of tobacco. And instead of having a little cup to spit in, because it's kind of a disgusting thing to be seen with a, a spit can right in front of you. So I used to gut it then and Ooh. definitely mixed with the all of the drinking that I did and the drinking and smoking cigarettes later on. It did not feel good that next morning. Heartburn for about three days. Yeah, I can remember the first time I actually did non pouch dips. Uh, I guess the first time I dipped in general was outside of my dad jokingly giving me some. But <laughs> besides that. I was I had just moved up here and I was in in college at the time and for some reason there's a lot of like the chef students who like to dip no mm. idea why one guy gave me some and I I had it in there for a while and after about an hour I don't know if I accidentally swallowed some or whatever but I just felt like fucking puking ugh it's not for me yeah definitely your first time you're going to want to take a tiny pinch and spit it out after like 15 minutes yeah Well, anyway, uh, as expected, within minutes, the old man was curled over on the ground, sicker than a dog. Apparently, the old man even grabbed Albert's coffee and drank it, but that's not going to help you at all. Albert, at this point, considered shooting the old man, but instead, he grabbed his gear while all the other Bigfoot were attending to the sick father Elbert then ran as fast as he could for the clearing, and he made it through. But the old lady was still chasing after him full speed, so he fired a shot in the air, which seemed to be enough to scare her from chasing him, and he made his getaway. So I guess your entire point there was true. The one shot was enough to kind of make her back off. I don't know how far back she was from him, but I'm assuming... If they had some intelligence and she's taking care of the sick father and she heard the gunfire, she's probably like, I'm not chasing this motherfucker anymore. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. I'm trying to think of an NBA player who is (laughs) now an NBA. The problem is a seven foot tall, normal human. They have a huge stride, but they also um, you got to think maybe a guy, an NBA player who's in his 20s, who's seven feet tall, maybe can run a little bit better. But the older a really tall person gets, the less like nimble they are. Like the less, like their running really suffers, the older and older that they get, yeah. the taller ones. So I'm wondering though, if seven foot tall is of average size for a Bigfoot, and if her running stride was just huge compared to his. She could have been on him instantly. Well, if if we take for the pictures that we have seen, 
or like the illustrations of a Bigfoot, it looks like their entire body is just like solid muscle. Like you got Barry fucking Sanders, like a whole bunch of them chasing after you. Oh, yeah. I mean, have you ever seen? It's not obviously the same thing, but have you ever seen the picture of the chimpanzee that had the skin skin disorder and all of its hair had fallen out? Mange? Oh, yeah. You saw all of the muscles under its skin, and it's just got these huge fucking muscles. And uh, from what I've heard, like the that chimp that ate that woman's face, you know, they yeah. they they don't have finesse in their muscles, so it's either no muscle or full power kind of thing. So like they can't like gracefully do stuff. It's either like they fucking will tear you apart or they you know whatever. Yeah, like it's- like the same thing of them. Ripping off your arm would be the same power that they used to open a bag of potato chips. It's just, <laughs> yeah. it would just tear it apart and it would explode everywhere. It's all or nothing, man. Yep. Now, now that Albert was free, he spent the next day rummaging through the woods. He would have to even shoot a grouse to eat, but after eating it, Albert made himself sick. But that following morning, Albert would finally hear the noise of someone logging and he made his way over to him, but just told him that he was simply a lost prospector and he didn't want to mention the whole being abducted by Bigfoot event. After this, Albert would go to the Salmon Arm branch of Schlett Inlet, then got on a boat and headed back to Vancouver. I have a, I have a quick question. Yes. You said he shot a grouse. Yes. What did he shoot the grouse with? I thought that he had one bullet left. Did he find his bullets? He... <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. He basically just mentioned that he shot a grouse. I I maybe he didn't shoot it. Maybe he stabbed it or got it. I don't know. But all I know is he ate a grouse. Probably didn't cook it properly and got food poisoning. I'm assuming, or I don't know. You can eat grouse, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think of. There's this show on the History Channel where they try. They send all these survival experts out to these locations and. They end up uh, using snares to try to catch little game, like a grouse or something like that. A lot of them will say you have to capture certain things. And when you clean it, you have to be very careful not to rip open its guts because you'll destroy the meat. So maybe he wasn't very, maybe he wasn't as outdoorsy right. as he thought he was. Right. Well, I mean, if he's out in the woods on vacation, maybe he's a city slicker. Yeah. Considering when you're going through some of the things that he brought with him, sounded like he might have been a little bit of a city slicker who has maybe read a book about this shit. Because <laughs> well, me... he, he carried a lot of stuff with him. He carried a pot and a pan. Like, one of those things. True. You know? Well, maybe one was for coffee and one was for cooking or something. That's true. Could be. Now, the last little thing here before we kind of discuss the story is Albert wouldn't tell anybody about his, this abduction until 1957. And the reason he claims that he waited that long was because it was kind of during this point when a lot of other people started bringing their Bigfoot stories to the public, like their sightings, their encounters. Obviously, his is more wild than basically any I've ever heard in history. But it kind of does make sense why he would wait. I mean, he waited, what, 33 years before he actually told anybody. So do you think that hurts his credibility or do you think it? gives him or is that a believable reason to wait god it's hard because it's both so 
One of the things is, if this did happen to you, you would be a normal human being if this happened to them. They would not want to talk about it. They would think that people would think that they are crazy. They would think that they themselves are crazy. So they definitely wouldn't bring it up until there were more people coming forward about this sort of thing. However, it's just like with UFOs. I was thinking the whole time when you are saying that, it could be like UFOs where some people are in a group and there's three people who say, oh yeah, I was, I was out on the road one night and I saw these weird lights and it was a craft and it was right above me. It was crazy. Then another person, similar story, another person, similar story. There are certain people who are like, oh wow, well you should hear my story then because the, the craft took me up and I was amongst these aliens and they were doing experiments on me and all this crazy shit. Yeah. I wonder if it's like, cause he had a, he had a, like a close encounter of the fourth kind situation where he was actually amongst them. He didn't just happen to see them while he was taking a piss next to a river. He happened, like, he didn't just happen to, like, notice them or be scared away by them. He was actually abducted and taken to their lair. So right. he has the most fantastic Bigfoot story I've ever heard. That's the other thing. I don't think there's ever been another story that I know of a Bigfoot abducting anybody. I don't think. Yeah, you barely ever... I have heard stories that were meant to be fiction, which are fictional, where people were talking about either capturing multiple Bigfoot or seeing multiple Bigfoot together. I've never heard anyone whose story claimed to be a true factual story where they saw multiple Bigfoot together, multiple Sasquatch is whatever you want to call them, together <laughs> in a group. It's always this lone Sasquatch out by itself even the like those deer cam pictures you'll just see one or possibly two because there is that one we talked about in vermont where they thought there might be two yeah it's the the other thing that's kind of interesting is this particular area of the world seems to be like the most bigfoot filled do you remember that episode that jordan did on bumblebutt about the bigfoot and during the eruption of Mount St. Helens? Yes. It was a lot. It was like a year and a half ago, wasn't oh, God. it? Yeah, it was a long time yeah. ago. But Mount St. Helens, I, I don't think terribly far away because it's in the Pacific Northwest, right? Yeah. Oh, well, this whole area is heavily, heavily forested. Yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of why it's the big Sasquatch area is because there's so much of it that is like untamed wilderness. Yeah. So... I mean, in that aspect, it kind of fits that he could encounter a Bigfoot, but he obviously could be a liar as well. Now, as I mentioned, the whole reason that I found this is because a few weeks ago at this point, I was working on my sexual encounters with the supernatural on Bumblebutt podcast, right? Yep. And I wanted to find like a cryptid story because every once in a while you find someone who claims to have sex with a like actually have sex with a Bigfoot or whatever. And this guy's name came up and I had briefly heard this story before, but one of the speculations were, and I don't think this was necessarily out of his mouth was that they abducted him because they wanted him to mate with the younger female Bigfoot. Now I have heard of a story about a, I think, I believe it was uh, of the Yeti. It was in, I believe it's in Siberia, where they had captured a female Bigfoot and made kind of like made it its, the village made it their slave, Ugh. made it 
like do, you know, do manual labor for them. And I had heard a story where someone actually had sex with the Yeti or like rape the Bigfoot, what whatnot. And there was a child born like from that. And there was actually people in this town who said, yeah, that family is actually from the Yeti, descended from that Yeti. Well, I mean, that's pretty fucking wild of a story, too. If you, if humans and them could mate together, you'd assume they'd have to share some sort of a DNA chain, right? Yeah, well, there is uh, the big the big deal with, like, the human genome, genetics, and 23andMe is finding a lot of the Neanderthal, like Neanderthal DNA, in modern humans. So it's almost like these Neanderthal didn't go extinct they were kind of like fucked out of existence. Their yeah. genes were, you know, brought in. So I wonder, a Bigfoot though, like conventional theory of like what a Bigfoot might be is like very pre what a Neanderthal or what a modern human looks like. It's more ape-like, like way back down the line. So I don't know how easily, it would almost be like a human trying to mate with like a more advanced gorilla, possibly. <laughs> so I don't know if it would work out, you know, possibly too far down the line. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Only Jerry Seinfeld would probably try that. But um, true. <laughs> okay, let me ask you these two questions. Number one, do you, is there any part of you that think that Sasquatch Bigfoot actually exists or could exist? Is it possible? Yes. Because of human, like, so people always think that we found everything. Uh, back in the 1800s, they didn't think that pandas were real. They also didn't think that silverback gorillas were real until we found them. Yeah. So the, like, okay, so the day that we do find a Sasquatch up in the Northwest, Pacific Northwest, instead of being some crazy cryptozoology bullshit, it'll instantly become, we always knew that thing was there. That's right. what scientists will be like. They'll be like, oh, no, we once we capture one in a cage and have it on display in the San Diego Zoo, oh, no, we've always known that those things were there. Even though a week ago we said it was fucking bullshit and anyone who believed it was crazy, they'll change their story like on a dime. Yeah, so, just like the giant squid that you talked about last week. Yeah, I mean, there were with the giant squid, it was a little different because they always did kind of believe that these existed. Like the naturalists from the 1800s originally found these. But there was no solid proof, so you couldn't 100% say. This is a lot different because the proof isn't exactly as mainstream. There's a lot of fakes out there. That's a big problem, too. There's so much flack being thrown up in yeah. the air from yeah. these people who really want Bigfoot to be real. That's the problem. They're killing their own fucking you know, story by making up all this false evidence, like the fake Bigfoot imprints and the fake fur. And the fake everything, you know, whoop, that was my phone. Like, so, you know, like they find this, they find this fur uh, in some tree or something. And they're like, oh, that's definitely a Bigfoot. That's definitely a Bigfoot. They analyze it and it's just deer fur, <laughs> you know, it's exactly what you would think it was, you know, it, I mean, it'd be great if it was a Bigfoot, if they analyzed it and they didn't know what the fuck it was, if it came from some unknown primate, but when they, when they play it up and they play it up and they play it up, even though in their head, they knew it probably wasn't. They go public with this information, and then it turns out to be a dud. And then it's harder for the next person who might have something real. I mean, that seems to be kind of the case with most of the paranormal. There's, you know, can be really good evidence, and then there's turds who kind of spoil it for everybody. Definitely. Just uh, like with aliens. 
Okay, well, so is that a yes or a no that you believe in them, Phil? Oh, um, I will not believe in them until I find until I like am shown like the proper evidence. Okay, so, so right now it's just a a thought that these things might exist. I haven't seen convincing enough evidence, obviously, to believe it. So no, I would say I don't as of right now. So if you don't believe it, then you would probably believe this guy is probably lying then. Well, considering we heard that he didn't say anything until 1957, you would think that you would say something. Because that's like, what, 30-ish years that he went without saying anything. You would think he would have said something to someone. He would have trusted someone enough to be like, yeah, there was this one time I saw these weird, you know, weird animals. He would say a little something. But if all of a sudden there was other people who were making these story, like these claims, and then he comes up with the most fantastic claim, uh, well, not as much. Well, let's remember, they used to throw you in a uh, insane asylum if you were too nervous. So you got to be careful true. what you say back then. Well, he was a man, not a woman. If True. <laughs> if there was a woman who seemed a little jittery or appeared to be able to know how to read, they would throw her in a sane asylum. True. Very true. So, yeah, I, I guess Um, I, I hope people reach out to us and tell us if they have heard this or if they, um, you know, believe this man or anything. But uh, where can they where can they contact us at, Phil? Well, they can hit us up on our brand spanking new website that we share with Bumblebutt Podcast. Uh, They can get there at www.subliminaldeception.com. There's a link there to get a hold of our Patreon, our brand new Patreon page. By the way, thanks for everyone who has joined our Patreon in the past couple weeks. They can also hit us up by contacting us right from the website. They just contact us there. They fill in their name, their message, hit send, and it gets to our email, just like any other email, if they still want to do the old school email method, it is subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from people. Uh, It's great to hear from fans. Also, uh, if they want to leave us a review, which you usually do this part, but I'm going to read off a review really quick. They want to hit us up on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. A written would be preferred. It would be amazing. Much like Bob's comedy. Oh, yeah. And he posted a five star review on the 21st. I'm going to read it really quick. Titled Soothing Midwest Accent. He's obviously not talking about mine. (laughs) I'll be honest, not sure what this podcast is even really about. I stumbled upon it one day and became entranced by Cody's voice. Phil's voice is pleasant as well, but that (laughs) Midwest accent from Cody is so calming and soothing. I always leave this podcast playing in the background. So thank you very much. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Thank you so much. That is amazing. That one yeah. made us both laugh. I love it. Yeah. I am very sorry that my Midwest accent has been destroyed by my years of non-Midwesterners in the Air Force get, making fun of my voice and the words that I use. So sorry about that. But thank you for that. That was awesome. If anyone else wants to leave us a five-star or possibly they could also describe they could also subscribe on Spotify, which is basically the same thing. Another yeah. thing is they could hit us up on our Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Uh, it's great to hear from people. We post things throughout the week. Uh, Cody and I also have our own Instagrams. Mine is SDPodPhil. I barely ever use it. 
And I do, though, appreciate when people get a hold of me. Cody, what's yours? Uh, mine is Cody Zabub. Give me a follow. Look at my conspiracy memes and uh, have a laugh with me. Otherwise, uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the episode. I hope Phil enjoyed the episode. We'll see you guys Very next. much. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.